the altars continue to be open, as they always are, but I think it's important to point that out so that we have a chance to change our posture when we pray. Because sometimes it's changing who and where we are can change so much in our position towards Christ. So I pray as we go into this time of prayer that you would just, if not physically change your posture or stance, spiritually change it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the breath that we breathe, for it is you who gives it to us. I pray that you would just continue to guide us, grow us, through everything going on. We see the chaos in this world. We see what what so often seems like waves of just craziness that comes at us from every direction. But Lord, we know that you control the very waves of the ocean, much less the waves of emotion and anger and chaos in this world, Lord by just a word, you brought it into motion. And just by a word, you can calm it. So I pray as we move forward in the service, worshiping in your word, Lord, that that same peace would wash over us, that we would feel your peace, your joy, regardless of what the world looks like, regardless of what everything around us looks like, Lord. And I pray that we would propagate that, bring it and show it to the rest of the world, those that we interact with, so that they, we, you, they would know that no matter what, they can find peace in you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before Jim comes up uh, for announcements, I have uh, just one one announcement. Uh, I was reached out to by a um, a coworker of mine, and um, she has a family member really in need. Um, not to give too much of it, but uh, the father of her sister just uh, the father of the husband of her sister just died. Father of two, um, and they're really in need of help. Uh, and love and support and if any of you would like to make like a freezer meal or something for them uh, just reach out to me uh, we'd really like to bless them in this time of hurt and need as their two kids are grieving the mother's grieving the family's grieving so Jim Thank you, Franklin. Appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody in God's house today. This uh, 35 degree weather. I bet some of you had colder. Um, 35 is cold enough. How much? Fall day. Yeah, makes you want to fall in your face, right? <laughs> well, it's good to see everybody. I just wanted to pass on uh, our announcements this morning. Uh, we do have ongoing Bible studies, uh, ladies' study uh, Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. here at the church. Men's and ladies study each Wednesday at 6.30 here. So we encourage you to uh, stop by for that. Um, today's probably the last day to sign up for the membership class that we're, we have coming up. Um, I think this week we're actually gonna schedule the date that we're gonna do that. So if you're interested in uh, learning more about the church, partnering with us in ministry, uh, we encourage you to sign up for that. Um, Whenever you can't make it here, you can always follow on our Facebook page. Um, uh, we we kind of went back to doing a live broadcast of part of the service, so starting from like the prayer time on. Um, that'll be available on Facebook and YouTube, but you can always follow our podcast as well. Um, a couple of events that are coming up. There are actually quite a few. Uh, we've got things coming up this month, next month, the following month, you know, as we as we get into the, the Thanksgiving holiday season. But the Danamora Trunk or Treat is the 22nd of October, 4 to 6 p.m. That's going to be behind the, the old Danamora Elementary. I guess it's the town building now or something. But um, there's a QR code to scan if you want to register to, um, to attend. We also have some flyers out in the entryway if you want to scan one of those and register your car to be there. And if you do plan to attend, let us know so that we can give you a little mosaic um, flyer to go with that. Um, we'll keep that up there a minute. I see somebody grabbing their phone maybe to scan that. 
But um, also coming up, uh, you see some Christmas shoeboxes here. Uh, we're partnering with Operation Christmas Child this year to pack um, um, some Christmas boxes for kids who maybe, you know, that would be their only Christmas. Uh, and then those boxes are filled with, you know, gospel information in the language of their country. And, uh, and that's a, a way that we support children overseas, kind of a ministry overseas. But we also support um, Christmas gifts for children locally with the, um, the Clinton County Christmas Bureau. So we're also going to be collecting toys for that. So for the shoe boxes, you can grab some of these. There's also some flyers out in the front on how to pack, uh, pack a shoe box. Um, so you get some more information about that. Um, but um, if you need more information about those, you can either ask me or Marcy um, or just ask anybody and start a conversation. Maybe they'll know, right? Um, we also thank you for your giving. We couldn't do what we do here and the ministries we support um, without your faithful giving. So we, we certainly appreciate that. We, uh, we take your giving very seriously and we steward it, I think, very well. Um, you can also give to overseas missions, missionaries that we support. Um, we have three families that we specifically support in various countries that we're not supposed to say, um, especially because we're live streaming. But um, you can designate missions in your giving, and then that will go to support um, the missionaries. Um, we do have a, our, our dinner groups are still going on. We have a few spots. If you're interested in being part of a dinner group, just see me after and we can, we can plug into that. But I think that's enough announcements. But uh, as you know, as we work towards finding a, a permanent uh, lead pastor, we have different people speaking every week, which I think is, uh, is fresh. It's a breath of fresh air and it, it brings different people and different messages to us. Um, and today, we hope we get that from Trevor, right? <laughs> but Trevor Finley from Moores has spoken here before, and we, uh, we always appreciate you and your family joining us. Um, and uh, he'll be bringing today's message. But Marsha, we're going to have you come in and bring the scripture to us. It's not going to fit. I'll hold that for you. <laughs> okay. Good morning. I'm reading 1 Peter 4, 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I've been called a lot of things. Never have I been called a breath of fresh air. So, <laughs> but I do appreciate um, being asked to come back and it's always good to be with you folks. And I see a, a few faces I haven't seen before. So it's good to see that uh, you know, things are changing and growing and it seems like you guys are doing really well as you search for your new senior pastor. Um, I wanna thank Pastor Franklin um, for your, your spirit this morning, your attitude. 
uh, towards prayer. I think it's a vitally important part of our spiritual growth. And he's right about changing your posture, and I'll give you a good example why. Um, last Sunday, there's a, an older lady in our church, I don't know, what is she, 96 now? Yeah, 96, I think. And who, who struggles with, he lost her husband a number of years back, and every Sunday comes to us and says, I don't know why God still has me here. I don't know why God still has me here. I, I miss Charles so much, I just want to go home. And, um, and then she'll say, but God woke me up in the middle of the night and put your face in front of me, and I had to get out of bed and kneel and pray for you. And that just, that kills me. That almost made me cry right in front of her because, number one, for someone to pray for me, <laughs> you know, for God to put that, my face, that's the way she put it, my face in her, in her mind in the middle of the night woke her up and for her to feel that she needed to get out of bed at 96 years old because it's not easy for her to get down on her knees and pray for me. She changed her posture, was obedient to what God was asking her to do. It really spoke to me. It's a powerful thing. So don't feel like God does not have a plan for you. Don't feel like God can't use you no matter what stage of life you're in. He's got, uh, he's got it. And you can figure it out. It's a, it's a journey. I'm, that's a freebie. I'm stepping on my own <laughs> stuff this morning. But thank you, Pastor Franklin, for that. Um, music speaks to me in, in a way that um, a lot of times other, other mediums can't. The written word, the spoken word, the, uh, I don't know. Sometimes very simple truths and very simple messages can break through the heart and break down walls in ways that nothing else can. So I really appreciate your worship team here too and their spirit, um, the, the tone that they've set. The Holy Spirit is always here. He's here. And it's not the, the music team's job to manufacture a feeling or manufacture a spirit. He's already here. But it is important to set the tone. And I think you guys do a great job at setting the tone here. And I, I really feel that this morning. So I appreciate that. But I came here wa- wanting to, I like illustrations. Sometimes they're goofy and props and you know all that kind of stuff but this morning I to go along with this message I had this song on my heart that um, very simply illustrates um, what I think we need to be doing as Christians and as we're out in the communities and looking for opportunities to minister to people so I'm going to do this for you I'm going to shut this off Don't you know that God's a myth? I hate to see you waste your breath Cause there ain't no use in talking To a ghost that don't exist The praying man said amen And looked up from his plate And said, you may not talk to God right now But there's gonna come a day Cause whether you're a farmer in the field 
praying for the rain or you curse him at the graveside cause he called a loved one's name you can thank him you can blame him either way you're gonna face him whether you believe in him or not cause in the end everybody talks to god the man in the booth went quiet cause he didn't have a comeback so he shrugged it off and paid his tab and shuffled out the door and the praying man he prayed for the man who drove away hoping he would see the light before it got too late but how was he to know he touched an unbeliever soul who got that conversation two red lights down the road Cause whether you're a farmer in the field Praying for the rain Or you curse him at the graveside Cause he called a loved one's name You can thank him, you can blame him Either way you're gonna face him Whether you believe in him or not Cause in the end, everybody talks to God. You can thank him, you can blame him. Either way, you're gonna face him. Whether you believe in him or not. Cause in the end, everybody talks to God. Everybody talks to God. We all talk to God. There we go. Never miss an opportunity that God puts in front of you to be a minister of the gospel. Never miss an opportunity to, to show the love of Jesus because you don't, planting seeds is what it's all about. You never know the impact you might have on somebody. In that song, I love songs that tell a story. In that song, a man was just praying over his meal, had a simple conversation with a stranger. And even after the stranger left, he realized what that conversation was all about and we're left to assume he found God <laughs> you know I, I've had a busy weekend I just got back late last night from a trip with a friend of mine and I got to know the the crowd that I'm in does anyone here enjoy hunting shooting target shooting guns like that's what I'm getting at here okay you're my people okay <laughs> 
because that's where we, we went. I went with a buddy of mine to New Hampshire, and uh, Sig Sauer has a, an academy out there, and they did Sig Freedom Days, so we spent uh, eight hours uh, shooting some really cool stuff. Um, <laughs> it was an amazing time, but while we were there, I think I spoke last time when I was here, it was in like Ju- uh, July, and I told you all about how we traveled outside uh, New York State and, and went down south, and the different attitudes and stuff that people have. Well, I guess it's as you go uh, east, too, because New Hampshire, oh, those people are happy. Like, I guess they're just not politically oppressed, and <laughs> like we are here in New York, and they're a little lighter. But you know what? The people out there, every opportunity we had, it was like we, three or four times we had these conversations about God with people. And uh, I'm not wearing it today, but I've got a, because I was at a gun show, um, I have a, a necklace with a bullet on it that has the Lord's Prayer etched into it. And so a couple of times people were like, looking really close, what is that? And I got to talk to them about what it was. And my friend has a bracelet um, that just says, there is hope. And a couple of times we were sitting down and you're real up close with the instructors and they're like, oh, what, what is that? What's to say on your bracelet? And there's hope. And he had got a chance to have a conversation with that person. And we were waiting in line for the last thing of the day. And... Um, just trying to break the tension, break the silence. We started talking to the lady that was running the line. Turns out she just got back from a 10-month uh, missions trip all across Europe. And we got to talk to her about her experiences there. And it's like, you can't, you have to have the courage to step out and talk to a stranger sometimes and, and spread the good news of the gospel. Don't miss an opportunity that God puts right in front of your face. And one of the things I learned a couple years ago from a a gentleman in our church is that he said he would pray every day for God to put one person across his path that he would be able to witness to. And I think we should all be praying that. Pray for opportunities because there's something happening in our area. Something is changing. There's a a shift in the spirit. I feel it. And I think there is, um, I hate, I don't know if I want to use the word revival, but I think there is something great coming, a great revival coming, because um, people need the Lord. Amen? There, and it's, it's coming. So keep the faith. Keep, uh, keep keeping on. I know you're looking for your new senior pastor and everything, and, but it will, it will get better. And like you said, it's about having a positive attitude towards uh, the situation that you're in. Um, you get a chance to listen to a bunch of different people and, you know, hopefully you go away here today with, with something that God's put on my heart to share with you. And I'm just going to pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that I have to be here amongst your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, anoint this message that you've put on my heart to share with them. Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit will break through any barriers uh, and tune out any distractions for us, Lord, that we can focus on your word, that we can focus on fully worshiping you so that we might be better ministers of the gospel in our everyday lives. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Anybody have kids? Lots of kids, yeah? So, (laughs) I love my kids, okay? They're nine and 12 at this point, and you do anything for your kids, right? It's it's really hard to say no to your kids, yeah, I got myself, I'm a little bit of a nerd in, in a lot of ways. I'm very, I like, I have a lot of different hobbies and, and, you know, things that I enjoy doing. Some of them are very manly, like shooting guns, and some of them are kind of nerdy. And Mike, um, in a, one of the ways I tried to, you know, be able to love on my kids a little bit more and relate to them and have something to do with them was they both like to play this Pokemon Go game. Uh, yeah some, yeah, some people know what it is, all right? Some people don't. So I had it on my phone because my kids don't have phones because we're not, 
going to do that at this point in their lives, but uh, we had it on my phone, and I was driving. I, one of my offices that I work at is in Beatmantown, and there's a park right behind my office. So as I'm leaving work one day, I drove through the park, and then I went home. Got to work the next day, and one of my coworkers, coworkers was like, what, are you, uh, what were you doing driving through the park? I was, and I was like, oh, boy. It's a little embarrassing, but, you know, my son plays Pokemon Go, and I was out there catching Pokemon for him. And <laughs> but then, I, but then I, they got into it so much, my son was like, why don't you just do your own, Dad? Because apparently I wasn't very good, and I was wasting all of his stuff. So now I have my own Pokemon Go, and I'm the nerd walking around going, ooh, a wild Jigglypuff. No, it's really bad, okay? So <laughs> sometimes I just have to put the phone away, and yeah, I didn't take it out at the gun show, though. That would have been... So, like I said, guns and Pokemon, it's really bad. But sometimes you do what you can to make your kids happy, right? You do... You, you, what you can to say yes and be a good parent and be their, their friend, even though you're their disciplinarian and everything. But we also find ourselves finding saying no to our kids a lot. And at times, that's, it, it can be really, really tough. But it, as a parent, I didn't realize the depth of love that mankind, that people, humans are capable of until the day that I held my first child in my arms in the hospital. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to explode. And that kind of love actually scared me a little bit. Um, being fairly young, we were, tw I don't know, 25 or so when, yeah, when we had our first kid. I consider that really young now. <laughs> um, and I actually remember going, uh, I was having a rough time, and I remember going to my dad and having a private conversation with him. I was like, Dad, what is this feeling? Like, did you feel this way when, when you had your first kid? Like, I just, it, like, that kind of love legit scared me. And, but as I've grown, and we've got a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old now, we've been married 17 years, and I, I'm, it has made me so much more appreciative of the love that God has for us, and more understanding of how he operates and how he expresses his love in, in disciplinary ways. And I was looking for evidence in scripture of times when God doesn't, maybe not necessarily doesn't answer prayer, but says no, okay, because we pray a lot, we pray for things, and I came to the conclusion that God, like parents, God loves us enough to say no, and it, sometimes that's really hard to hear. So let's turn real quick to what we'll be looking at is Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 28. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel chapter 3. And at this time in Scripture, it's uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He, of course, like a lot of radical dictators, got a big head, um, built himself a 90-foot-tall golden statue, and told all everyone to bow down and pray to and worship this golden statue. The Jews were brought to Babylon at this time, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three Jewish men who were servants in the court. So that kind of sets the stage for where we're at uh, in Scripture. So let's read Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 28 real quick. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow down, by the way. Let me just say that straight. They did not bow down to the golden idol. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar named, summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, 
and all kinds of music if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made. Very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, do not, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace got so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Shad and the boys, because that's hard to say, they knew that God's love and power to save them was greater than any power man could provide to destroy them. Their faith was unconditional, no matter the outcome. And my favorite part is in uh, verse 16 when they're just like, you know what? We don't have to explain ourselves to you. Do what you're going to do. God's going to do what he's going to do. And uh, we'll see who has the last laugh. Like, that's basically what they were telling King Nebuchadnezzar. And it takes a lot of guts to talk to a king that way. But you know what? The scripture that was read this morning, 1 Peter 4.11, we have that power too. We have that authority to speak to the authorities of this world. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We have that same authority to speak truth to, a, to power that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to speak truth to power in King Nebuchadnezzar. So as we speak, as you speak, speak with authority. Be confident in expressing your faith and trust in God. Romans 1.16 says, don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power of salvation for all. Don't let the things of this world deter you and sway you from the truth found in the word of God. Verse 18 has probably two of the most, two of the most simple words, but most profound words, in, in my opinion, in all of scripture. Even if. 
even if God did not rescue them in this particular situation from the, the furnace, they refused to deny him. Having faith does not mean we will always be spared from trouble. It takes more than faith to stick with God through difficulty and hard times and danger than it does uh, to escape that situation altogether. Wouldn't you agree? That's when your faith is truly tested, is through the hard times. Usually the story of uh, Chad and the boys is uh, used as one of those examples of extreme faith. Um, and it is, it's, it, it is that. But what I find interesting about this story is that we're not really told of any type of conversation between these three men and God. So if you allow me for a little bit to maybe read between the lines of scripture a little bit, put ourselves in their shoes, um, I want to kind of focus on what's not said in Scripture. You see, in some instances in Scripture, when stuff like this starts to happen, the party or parties involved, they're coming into a danger, they're going to go through a trial, um, they're presented with a dream or a vision or a visit from an angel or, or something like that, but not that didn't happen with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Think about Moses when he was, you know, being told to go back to, to Egypt. God appeared to him in a burning bush. Um, when Mary and Joseph were told to leave Bethlehem to escape from Herod, they were visited by an angel. Uh, Lot was visited by an angel and warned to take his family from um, before, the, before Sodom and its destruction. We aren't told anything like that about these guys. What I'm left to imagine is that is these men basically praying for their lives. You know, they knew, <laughs> they knew the law, they knew the penalty of breaking the law, and they decided to do it anyway. And we're not talking about, like, I know the speed limit's 55. I choose to go 65. I know the penalty of that law, what happens when I get caught, but I choose to do it anyway. Um, it's not that kind of thing. Like, this is life or death type of stuff. They knew that if they disobeyed, they were, they were going to be killed. And, yes, Scripture does tell us that we should submit to the authorities of this world, but uh, it tells us to obey and pray for the authorities of this world, not pray to them. Our first duty is to God. Matthew 22, 37 gives us the greatest commandment to love the one true God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is our first and highest priority in life, not to follow the authorities of this world, but to follow God's authority. But yes, I imagine these men basically on their knees praying, asking God to save them before the fate they would surely face. Like, it's not a good way to go. I've burnt my finger before you know, frying bacon and stuff, and I feel like I'm going to die. I don't I hate being burned. I'd rather be cut or break a bone or something. There's something about being burned. It just really, really hurts. That, that fate, being burned in a furnace, sounds like the worst way to go to me. So yes, I would be on my knees begging God, oh, please don't let this happen. God, even if, yes, but please don't let this happen. That would be me. So I put myself in their shoes thinking that. And God didn't come to them in a dream. No angel came to, you know, tell them to run away or say it's going to be okay. Something's going to happen so that you'll be safe. But no reassurance. That's, none of that is told to us in Scripture. Essentially, they knew it was right. But otherwise, um, it would appear to me that God chose to remain silent. And uh, sometimes... <laughs> I think again about my kids. When my kids ask me for something and I remain silent, what does that mean? My, my, my son will, or my daughter, she'll usually, she's very subtle. She'll be like, that means no. She'll whisper it to Gavin. My son is, is less obvious. He'll just be like, oh, well, that means no. You say maybe or maybe later or we'll see. That means no. 
With that kind of attitude, yes, it does mean no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so God remained silent. They could have interpreted that any number of ways. God could have chose to warn them to leave. He could have spoken to King Nebuchadnezzar, maybe changed his, his heart. Uh, he could have done some kind of miraculous uh, miracle, you know, doused the fire and put it out. God could have chosen to save these guys in a lot of different ways, but he didn't. And if I put myself in their shoes, I would have thought that God was telling me, no, this is something that you have to go through. And that's the, sometimes that's a very hard message to hear. Nope, that's something you got to go through. But why? Why put these guys through this awful, terrifying experience? Why does, why does God, why are you going through a trial right now? Why have you, when you look back, why did you go through a trial? Why did you go through that terrible situation? A, B, C, whatever, just put, you know, fill in the blank. Why does God often choose to say no to our pleas for deliverance and trouble? Well, I believe for two reasons. One, for our benefit, ultimately, and two, for God's glory. And I say for your own benefit, what do I mean by that? It, it, you know, what, could be, what good can come from being thrown into a fiery furnace? What good could come from getting fired from my job? What good could come from, like I said, fill in the blank? How does that benefit me? Well, at some point, God expects us to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. God expects us to do more than show up on a Sunday morning, listen to a sermon, and then go to work on Monday and curse his name or use his name in vain. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. God expects us to walk the walk. I love the book of James, very um, practical, everyday Christian living advice. James 1.22 says, do not merely be listeners of the word and deceive yourself. Be doers of the word. James 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without action is dead. Be doers of the word. That's the, uh, the takeaway from there. Walk the walk. That's what it's saying. And 1 Peter 1.7 says, These trials will show, you that will show that your faith is genuine. When the world sees us going through trials, when the world watches how we react to tragedy, that's an example for God. That's how they know that our faith is real. If we crumble at the first sight of hard times, how's the world supposed to believe that what we believe is worth anything? It would have been easy for these guys to say, God's going to save us, and then run away when they got caught. But no, they said, even if, and they stayed, and God proved himself faithful. Can you imagine how much more, how their, their faith was strengthened after that experience? Even more so than if God would have, you know, told them to run. But they went through it, and they saw the miracle, how much more their faith grew. And they were rewarded for that faith. After all of this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted to even higher authority within Babylon. God didn't spare them from the fire. He didn't spare them from their trial because it ultimately benefited them far more than it would have otherwise. And in the same way, God often blesses us for our faith during trying times or after trying times. It's important that we remain steadfast. And secondly, God allows us to go through trials and God tells us no for his glory. I think that the way that God saved Shad and the boys 
brought even more glory to himself than if he would have done it otherwise. Think about it. Think about the ways that I said that, you know, possible alternatives that God could have used to save them. One, he could have changed King Nebuchadnezzar's mind, right? Broken through the barriers, spoke to his heart, changed the king's mind. But then what? The people could have just said, oh, you went soft on the Jews. That really wouldn't have brought God much glory. He could have doused the fire by rain. People could say, ah, freak natural occurrence, that, you know, not a big deal. That could have been written off. Warn the men to run? Well, then they would have just been called cowards instead of staying and living, living their faith. That wouldn't have brought God any glory. It actually probably would have damaged God's reputation. Instead, God let it get as bad as it could get. Think about that. As bad as it could get in the fire, he let them get thrown into the fire. Only then did he choose to save them for everyone to see. I, I love that. There's no denying the miracle that God worked in that instance. It could not be explained in any natural way. It could only have been from God. God uses miracles to prove his power beyond the shadow of a doubt. And he uses his love and his power in real and practical ways in our lives every day to prove his power. But God said no to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for their benefit, to grow their faith, and for his glory to show how awesome that he is. The same argument could be made for what happens just a few chapters deeper into Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den. Great Sunday school story, right? We've all heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Different day, same story, new king, King Darius, gets a big head, builds a big statue, tells everybody to bow down and worship it. Daniel says no, right? Sound familiar? He doesn't obey it, gets himself thrown into the lion's den. And again, God could have saved Daniel, just like Chad and the boys, by telling him to escape, by changing the king's mind, by performing some miracle. But again, he chose to let Daniel go through the trial. He let it again get as bad as it could get. What do you think Daniel was thinking as he was falling into that lion's pit with a bunch of roaring lions? Again, that seems like a really bad way to go too. I don't know. Torn to bits by lions, burned alive. These guys were clever with their punishments. But again, he chose to let Daniel go through that trial. And just like God sent the angel to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he also sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. And because God did it this way, Daniel was even more prosperous, again, promoted to a higher position of authority, and God was even more glorified than before. It's amazing how God works. Another quick observation here regarding how God saved these men in both instances. Some people, especially today, they picture God as a God who is essentially somewhere else. We have this, the world has this image of God as a de- detached from the world and its issues, but this couldn't be further from the truth. God has always been a God among us. Shadrach and the others, you know, tossed into the furnace to face their death, those standing there, could, they could see this truth because in the midst of the fire was the fourth person who in Scripture is described as looking like a son of God. 
And in Daniel's case, when he was sealed in a, in a den filled with ferocious and hungry lions, God is with him, sending an angel to protect him from certain death. God was among them in their time of need. And in, when Jesus is born in that little village of Bethlehem, the ruling religious and political establishment is completely unaware that the story of God has just taken a new cha- uh, started a new chapter. God is not somewhere else. God is there, then, at that time, among them, just as God is among us today. And did you know that God even said no to his own son? Matthew, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We'll be reading verses 36 through 44. This is the account of Jesus praying in the garden. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go there, over there, and pray. He took Peter and two, the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for just one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if, I, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Jesus endured more than any other human being ever had to experience. Not just because of the physical beatings that he, that he took and the the actual physical act of the crucifixion, but taking on the weight of the world, that spiritual weight that he took. He suffered. He was taking on more than anyone could ever imagine. The mental anguish alone of knowing what was coming, the physical pain and suffering and the torture of the crucifixion, and perhaps the worst of all, complete separation from God as he took on the full guilt and penalty of the sins of the whole world. What would you have done if you were in Jesus' shoes? Remember, at this point, Jesus was fully man just as much as he was fully God. So don't you think that if there was any way to get out of this coming trial, he wouldn't have begged God to take it away, to somehow get you out of it? That's what he did in the garden. He was begging God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass, because he didn't want to go through it. If we took this same account of Jesus praying at Gethsemane, if we look at it in the, in the book of Luke, Luke was a doctor and he was really detailed in his description of the Gospels in his Gospel of Luke. Um, it says, Luke twenty two forty four says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and the sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is no exaggeration. This, this can happen. I, as a kid, I always thought this was hyperbole, you know, like just how could someone sweat blood? But this is no exaggeration, and Luke knew it because he was a doctor. To quote from uh, Lee Strobel, the author of The Case for Christ, uh, in his book, he said, Doctors today recognize a rare medical condition called uh, hematidrosis that looks like what Luke described. What happens is that in high 
high anxiety causes certain chemicals to release into the capillaries and the sweat glands. These chemicals break down the capillaries, very tiny little blood vessels, so that there's a small amount of bleeding right in the sweat glands. When the sweat comes out, it's tinged with blood. So it can happen. People can actually get so stressed that they sweat blood. That's the kind of anguish that Jesus was feeling that, I, that night. I've, I've been stressed. I'm sure we've all been stressed. I've had an anxiety attack before, but I've never sweat blood. Like, I can't even imagine what that kind of anguish actually does to a person's body. But and imagine your child coming to you, or your grandchild coming to you, all distraught and in such anguish and agony that they're more sweating blood, that their sweat looked like blood. They're begging for you to help, save them from this suffering, to protect them. What would you do? Could you say no to that? My little girl gets picked on by other mean little girls in seventh grade, and she comes home and tells us about it, and I, I just want to, like, rip heads off. <laughs> I want to protect my little girl, you know? And you feel powerless sometimes. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes, in God's shoes. If your kid was coming to you with that kind of anguish and begging you to help, could you say no? God did. God said no. Jesus asked for that bitter cup to, be, to pass from him. And he said, if it was God's will. But if not, I'll go through it. But God said, no. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> it breaks my heart to think that, uh, what that would be like as a father. But you know what? It wasn't a no. Like, it wasn't like, no, suck it up. You got to go through this alone. God comforted his son despite what he must go through. It says in Luke twenty two forty three, 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. He sent him comfort. And God, doesn't God also bring us comfort today in the times that we're going through trials and hard times? He doesn't just decide to let us go through some great hardship and, and not give us any help. Of course he does. He sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper and comforter. It says in John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father... I will pray to the Father, and he shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. We have the Holy Spirit to help us in those times of trial. And even in those times that we feel far from God, I've been there, I felt far from God, usually it's my own fault. The Holy Spirit is always there waiting for us to return, waiting to bring us comfort. God gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us always, to comfort us, to guide us, even when we feel far from him, the Holy Spirit is there with us. God said no, not out of neglect, not out of cruelty or some sick, twisted desire to see his son suffer. He did it because he wanted to provide us a way out of our sin. His answer was no because without putting Jesus through all that he went through, this world would still be lost. We would still be lost without a way to fully atone for our sins. God said no so that one day when we stand before him in glory, he can say, yes, I know you. You're my child. Enter into my house. Sometimes God says no because he cares more about your long-term health and well-being than your momentary happiness. Instant gratification world we live in, right? That, that instant dopamine 
boost as you get a like on Facebook or some stupid thing. <laughs> but God says no to the things that you know, we might want sometimes because it's just not good for us. And in the long run, we will benefit so much more from His direction and His will than our own. Just like when you were a kid and your parents said no to you, you know, even though you were trying to, they thought you were trying to suck the fun out of everything, right? Really, they're just trying to keep you from killing yourself. That was, my, that was always my case. You can't do that. You're going to get hurt. You're going to kill yourself or hurt somebody else, <laughs> usually one of my sisters. They were just trying to keep us safe, keeping you from making a mistake that would ultimately harm you, you know. How many times did you not listen to your parents as kids and you still deal with issues from when you today in your 40s, 50s, 60s that we, you had when you were a teenager? Oh, we used to work with teens and I would tell them that all the time. They don't believe you, but I would tell them that all the time. I said, these are the times, this is the time of your life when you're going to make the mistakes that you're going to regret when you're 40 years old. They don't believe you. And here I am all knocking on the door of 40 years old going, Dang, I still got things that happened when I was 18 that I just, ah, yep, that's tough stuff to deal with. But God makes us go through trials and prevents us from doing things for our own good. Sometimes God says no because he loves us. How much does he love us? Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But because of this, of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Even when we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, in our transgressions, Christ chose to die for us. That's how much. He loves us. Amen. Is the worship team going to come and lead us in a closing song? Heavenly Father, we just come before you and I thank you for your great, unfailing, undying love for us. That you know what's best for us and that sometimes you say no. And that's okay. Lord, I pray that in every trial, and every tribulation that we go through in this life, that we would look to you and that we would be able to say, even if, Lord, even if this doesn't turn out the way I think it should turn out, I have faith that you're going to use it for my benefit and for your glory. Even as this church sees this trial right now of not having a senior pastor, a pastor to you know, lead them into the future, Lord, we just pray that we would look at this time as, you know, God's got this. God knows exactly what we need. And he's here with us now. And through these trials, we will grow into a church, into a, a people that can go out into our community and make a difference and bring people to the saving knowledge of the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, pray that you would just bless each and every one who has been a part of this service this morning, both who have been here in person, who are watching online. Lord, we don't know the, the, the depth and breadth of the impact that some of this online stuff can have around the world. And we just pray, Lord, that it would reach the ears and eyes of those who need it most. I pray you bless each and everyone here in your heavenly name we pray. Amen.
posture a little bit, I guess. Put your hands in the air. Come pray at the altar. If you need me to pray for you about something, I'm here for you. And we'll pray together.
Oh, guys. Can't let the moment pass, okay? Don't, don't let, oh. They asked me what the title of my message was, and that was it. Can we do that bridge again? We're, listen to the words of this song that they chose and be in awe of how the Holy Spirit moves, okay? Because it wasn't planned. I'm broken right now. Sing it, sing it again. Fire, I rejoice to your there too. I won't be for my feelings. Hold fast to what is true. In the cross is transformation. I'll be crucified with you. Death is just a doorway to resurrection life. If I join you in your sufferings, I'll join you. and the saints my heart will still be singing my song will be the same Christ be magnified Christ's praise arise Christ be magnified in me oh Christ be magnified altar of my life Christ be magnified in me Heavenly Father we just pray that in our everyday lives as we walk through wherever it is that you've put us in this world Lord that we would just magnify your glory that Christ would be magnified through us as we walk through the fires, as we walk through the trials and the valleys of this life, that we can praise you as much in the deepest, darkest hole that we may be in as we do when we are on the mountaintop. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place this morning, and I pray that none of us leave here unchanged. In your name we pray, amen. so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh.